Welcome to TribeCast. I am Forrest Walden, founder and CEO of Iron Tribe Fitness. And on this podcast, I am going to help you find your tribe and maximize your life. Welcome to another episode of TribeCast. And today it is my honor to have Jim Caval, uh, CEO, founder of Influencer on the show. Uh, Jim is not only the CEO of Influencer, he is also a personal friend. He used to be the president of Iron Tribe, so we are former business partners, uh, but we're actually current business partners if I, as I have now invested into his new business, Influencer. Um, we're more than friends. We're accountability partners. He's in my weekly Bible study every Friday morning where we meet and are transparent with each other about the wins, the losses uh, that are going on in our lives as busy entrepreneurs. And one of the reasons of many that I wanted to have Jim on the show is he really epitomizes what this uh, Tribecast is all about. And that is a man who wants to have it all across body, being, balance, and business. Uh, Jim is super driven, has a lot of entrepreneurial success, which he'll share with us, but it doesn't come at the expense of his family. It doesn't come at the expense of his body, and it certainly doesn't come at the expense of his relationship with God and seeking ultimate purpose in his life. So, Jim, welcome to the show. Man, it's so great to be here for us, and it's been um, really awesome watching you get this thing going. I mean, Tribecast is on fire. I've already listened to a couple episodes. I'm subscribed and locked in, as is my wife, and um, we're we're really excited about every new episode that comes out because it's a chance for me to see you share what I got to watch as your business partner for years, which is a guy who doesn't just talk about things but lives it out, is transparent. And wants to help other people, has a passion for other people. And this podcast is only going to take that to another level, brother. So I'm real excited about it. Awesome. And you know, it's a little bit surreal for me because Jim actually created the first Tribecast. <laughs> uh, there was actually a podcast that was Iron Tribe based named Tribecast that Jim hosted and led. Um, there's probably still some vintage episodes people could find on We need to dig them up. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so I resurrected it uh, with here in the last few weeks, relaunching it. Uh, couldn't come up with a better name than Tribecast, and so rolled with that. But anyway, Jim, man, just introduce yourself. I know so many, especially here in Birmingham, already know you and your story, but a lot of our listeners don't. So give us the hot points of who you are and how you got here. Well, first off, I'm I'm from about a thousand miles away. I grew up in upstate New York, Syracuse, and um, you know it's not what most folks picture it. It's not New York City. It's not Times Square. It's a smaller town than Birmingham, and uh, unfortunately, a declining town. A lot of industry is left, and so for me, um, after graduating from high school, I wanted to play baseball down south, and had a scholarship to the University of Montevallo, just south of Birmingham. Took it. Took a risk, realized early on I was a risk-taking uh, guy. We'll, we'll get into that a lot in, in this podcast, I'm sure. And so I took that risk, and it proved to be one of the best decisions I ever made. I had a great experience playing ball at Montevallo, um, but college baseball wasn't um, the only thing that, that I found in Alabama. It was my passion for entrepreneurship. Those are my two big passions, sports and entrepreneurship. And so um, started my first business in college, continued to build that for another five years uh, after graduating from college. Didn't have a ton of success with that business from a tangible multi-million dollar exit standpoint, but was able to exit it in a good state and, and with tons of learnings 
uh, mainly from the mistakes I made. And so with that first business, I took my learnings um, and transitioned into um, meeting you and first as a member of your gym in Homewood and then as a partner helping you build Iron Tribe across the United States. We had these crazy dreams for world domination <laughs> and, uh, um, you know, just really uh, enjoyed the ride from one to 47 gyms together. We really, um, we learned a lot again uh, from mistakes just as much as from, from successes. And I uh, also met my wife down here. She's from Boston originally. Uh, who'd have thought a Puerto Rican from Boston and an Italian guy from New York would meet in Birmingham, Alabama and want to stay and build a family here. But we have, we have three kids. She also has a startup. So between our two startups um, with influencer for me and glow for her, I always joke that we have five children. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, that's my, that's my quick story of ending up here in Birmingham and, um, you know, with influencer, we are a software as a service platform, um, I got to merge those two passions I mentioned earlier, sports and entrepreneurship with this business, because we sell our software to big time sports brands, mainly at the college level. Teams um, in college athletic departments like Auburn and Kentucky and Penn State and Baylor, these schools pay us an annual subscription fee uh, to be able to store all the content they internally curate with their photographers and videographers. And then our system distributes it into a mobile app that lives on the phone of all their athletes so that they can each access a personalized gallery of content and share it to their Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, social medias, and grow their personal brand in the context of the team and and brand they play for. So we're helping the the team reach sometimes millions more people um, on social with their content. We're helping the athletes build a brand that's sustainable and that can be leveraged well after they're done playing college ball. And that's um, something I'm real passionate about. All right, so we'll talk more about Influencer, but I want to go back to Iron Tribe for a minute. You and I were partners uh, in that brand. We worked shoulder to shoulder for years, started in 2010 together. Uh, I love the story of when you approached me at O'Henry's and you said, Forrest, you should uh, bring me on as your uh, director of business development, VP of business development. And I said, well, man, I don't even have a corporate office yet, but if you start at the second location and build it, we can, we can talk. And so that's what you did. You started there. You proved yourself as a, not only an operator, but a big thinker. And then we partnered up and really started to grow the franchise brand. So it's easy to gloss over that phase and say, you know, that was an awesome phase. And now here I am, but man, there were some tough moments, you know, when you and I had to look at each other and say, all right, two hard charging type A entrepreneurial uh, partners. Is this opportunity big enough for both of us or is it time for you to move on? And man, that was that was not easy for either of us. Right. And so we had long conversations and ultimately arrived at a, a good buyout that was good for both of us. But from your side of the table, let's just talk about that a little bit and then how that springboard you to where you are now. Well, I think you started with, it's easy to gloss over. And that says a lot right there, right? Like the longer I get away from my seven years with you, um, the easier it is for it to become a sentence that I mention in my story. Um, but when you dive into it, there's so many things you can unpack and, um, and learn from and, um, and be thankful for. Um, first of all, you know, we, our high A hard charging guys to um, who were there from just about the beginning. And we also built a team of a lot of high A hard charging people um, really fast. 
And um, for me, the learnings of taking your dreams and I'm an emotional, passionate person, your your emotion, and then balancing it with the P&L and the statements and what they're telling you, what the numbers are telling you, what the market is telling you, especially in fitness. The market will talk to you in a lot of ways. It's not what you want to do for your personal fitness that you should be listening to. It's what the market wants to do and the pendulum and how it swings and how that affects marketing and product and sales and uh, everything. And so I learned as time went on, both from you and uh, our investor who knows a lot about franchising, how to translate the statements and balance my emotion and passion with the statements and what the marketplace was saying based on the business. And what we realized is we had a really awesome model in this 3,500 square foot box. But the reason it was awesome is it was a, a high quality offering that took high touch and we were better off as a small giant, um, not necessarily with thousands of gyms, but maybe hundreds. Um, and as I started to look at that, I realized that, well, I could help get it to a certain point, but that's something that Forrest wants to live and die in because of his passion for fitness. And I can take these learnings to something else and build something else, especially with these two passions I have for sports and entrepreneurship. And so to, to think that, but then to begin to take action on it when things were so great um, was not easy. But I think the blessing of our relationship that we still have today, the ongoing conversation about how we were feeling about the business, how we were feeling about our personal lives, our personal dreams for ourselves, our families, our wives, our kids, all that context woven together, very subjective and abstract, that allowed me and you to talk at that point in July of 2016 about what does it look like for Iron Tribe without Jim and Jim without Iron Tribe? And we were able to amicably figure that out in 30 days because of that context. And I think that it, it's, it translates into every important relationship that you have in your life, whoever you are listening. Those important relationships need high clarity, high conversation, high communication, because then even when a decision that might be tough for both sides or one side has to be made, there is a consideration, a compassion, an empathy that can naturally happen from that. And you showed me a ton of empathy and and set me up for exactly what I'm doing today in a lot of ways, not just financially or, um, you know, any other, like I'm talking about just with all the learnings and the confidence I have to be the leader I am today. Yeah, well said, Jim. And there's so many directions we could go with this conversation. I may have to have you back on because I'd love to dive into the six months post-leaving and how you didn't know what was next, right? And oh, you man. set out on this journey of what's next. And the way that you went about it was documenting your journey and being very, very vocal and visible on social media, um, a lot of video, a lot of content. And you were really trying, in my mind, you were trying to clarify your own message and figure out what was next. And so we're not going to dive into that because there's so much more I want to talk about. Ultimately, that process led you to Influencer. I've had the privilege of having a front row seat to the whole process, being an early investor, because I believe in you and what you're doing and your vision. So talk about um, quickly just launching Influencer to where you are today, because it's been really quick, especially in the SaaS world, to be where you are. Give us an understanding of where you are now and where you see it going. 
Well, where we are now is we're on this this initial journey that any software as a service business has to take, and that's to get to a million dollars of recurring revenue. ARR is what's called in the, the SaaS world. So um, we're about halfway there, and um, you know the average SaaS company takes about four years to get to a million dollars ARR, according to David Cummings, the guru of of SaaS over in Atlanta. Um, and you know, for us, it was well, how can we do that in two? And how can we do that in two with low to no churn, uh, meaning less than 10% churn, and uh, land and expand average client value, meaning you know a client might sign for a $10,000 annual contract, but we're going to grow them to 20 and beyond in the first year. Um, and so that's really our model and what the journey is financially that we're on. Um, the reason we're on that journey financially is because it will allow us to raise a Series A and be able to really pour gasoline on the fire, so to speak, with the systems and formulas we figured out on this journey from zero to a million. Systems and journeys on the engineering and product side, we have five engineers on our team. Systems and journeys on the client success side, we have five people doing client success, activating and supporting our software users. Um, Learnings and systems on the sales and marketing side, which is uh, quite frankly, the weaker side of the business because it's my strength. And I've had to do it myself, but now I'm having to bring in a team of marketing and sales professionals to follow a system that we can show is predictable, repeatable, scalable, right? Uh, How many qualified leads does it take to create? How many discovery calls does it take to create? How many proposal calls does it take to actually sign how many clients at what average client value? That's That's what we're figuring out. So it's fun. We have 16 people on our team. Um... You know, what, what I'm really enjoying is while we're building the software business, um, we're, we're playing in this, this disruptive space of social media and sports where the athlete has become his own channel. And uh, because of that, we're delivering content to the athlete, helping him grow his brand. We've got uh, 2,500 daily users on our app taking content from their schools that they play for and sharing it to social media. But out of those 2,500, 300 will get drafted in the NBA and NFL this year alone. We're only 17 months in. Um, So the real question is, what business are we building on top of the software as a service business in regard to a a media company? Because uh, this premium user base of pro athletes is uh, one that uh, most people would love to communicate and have direct relationships with as a group, but can't. Yet we do. And we're young. And we're engaged with them. So I'm really excited to see where that goes, see where this business goes. I mean, the grand scheme of things for me is my biggest passion on top of sports and entrepreneurship is young men. Um, And, you know, I just uh, am am very passionate about the fatherless, especially as I know you are, Forrest, um, adopting Benjamin. Um, For me, Aspire, you mentioned it earlier, is a ministry that... Um, we, we support here at Influencer with 1% of our revenue, um, but it's also something I participate in personally as a mentor. Aspire is a mentoring ministry. We connect um, adult men like Forrest and I with fourth grade boys, um, and you meet your mentee who is a fourth grade boy, and you commit to mentoring him for nine years through the graduation of high school with the goal of him actually becoming a mentor and participating in the program. It's this true kind of cycle of discipleship that we're trying to model out. We're six years in, we've got 228 mentors here in Birmingham, and we're trying to actually move our our executive director and the staff right here in the office because I don't want to lose sight of that passion and how it connects 
to this business opportunity that God's blessed me with. Well, and we didn't mention at the beginning, but we're actually sitting in your brand new office in downtown Birmingham, literally in walking distance of my downtown office and <laughs> downtown gym, which you frequent regularly. Um, so I'm inspired to know, hey, some days I may walk over here and do a little offsite work <laughs> for a different environment. Any beautiful, beautiful office inspired just sitting here, uh, just an amazing space. And not, it's really cool to tie in because you downstairs is Michael Gibson who built all of our gyms in Birmingham. <laughs> so it's like just full circle. Like I, I'm just excited to be here. Well, you should be. And, you know, um, it. listen, I'm not just saying this because I'm on your podcast, but whether it's the story I just told of Aspire and how it connects to Influencer or whether it's how I do a lot of things in this business, you know, you have had um, an enormous influence on me. And I know that you have on a lot of the people who have worked um, with and for you throughout the years. But I think what's what's fun for me is I knew when I when I went to you um, at O'Henry's and said, hey, I'm, I'm exiting this business that has been really a roller coaster for me for five years. I, I have the opportunity to do something new. I want to do this role with you. I knew in my head that I wanted nothing else but a partnership, ownership. I'm an entrepreneur, but I also knew I had to prove myself. And you had the foresight to give me the opportunity to do that. And every milestone along the way I met, you continued to grow me and honor your commitment that you made as a partner. And the things I learned, I mean, every day I'm putting them to work. And so that's like really what I want to see happen in this business that I'm doing, my, my third, I guess my fourth, if you count Glow, the one my wife and I have that I briefly mentioned, she has a startup. But these four businesses, I've learned a little bit along the way in each one. But Iron Tribe was like my MBA. And, uh, you know, if you're listening to Forrest, you need to keep listening to these podcasts because you're going to get a glimpse of what I got to sit next to like every day. And the best part was you let me fly. You never... Uh, it wouldn't have worked if you didn't just because of how I am. You never covered me or put me in a box. You always let me fly. And that allowed me to learn most of the things that I learned in Iron Tribe. And vice versa. I learned so many things from you, including, I mean, <laughs> I, I was journaling this morning saying, how ironic is it that I'm having Jim on my podcast? Because <laughs> that was your world. I, yeah. I didn't want anything to do with that. Social media, uh, putting my voice out there it was easy for me to defer that to you because that stuff comes naturally to you or it sure appears to. I know you work at it. It does not come naturally to me. So I've learned so much from you there. All right. I want to transition. I want to talk about the focus of this show and really why you're on this show. And that is, it is my contention that being weaponized, being on fire and equipped in body, in being, in balance is the fuel you need to grow your business. And what I see so much among male entrepreneurs or really anybody who's a producer, anybody who controls their own income, whether it's commission or uh, getting a percentage of net sales. Like if you're a producer, so often the only message you're hearing is to crush it, to drive hard, to outwork everybody else and grow your business. And so often that comes at the expense of body being in balance. And so what I've seen in my life and what I see in your life is really the platform and the energy comes from being locked in on those three. And so I want to pick a couple of things because I know you so well across all four domains that I want you to talk about. I'm going to start with body 
Uh, we haven't done a lot of body conversations on this podcast yet. We will. But I know uh, you are religious about your workout routine. In fact, I think at one point this year you had 32 days in a row, uh, no days off. I might have the number. The goal for the quarter is 75 on a 90. 75 on a 90. I'm going to exceed it. Okay. Well, that's, that doesn't leave a lot <laughs> of uh, off days. Uh, I know because I track my workout. So Talk to me a little bit about how your routine and getting in your workout and focusing on your nutrition, how that overflows and gives you the energy to what you do creatively as an entrepreneur. So in all three of these, I'm going to bring up one word that doesn't start with B, starts with C, and that's conflict. And so whether you're a believer um, or not, it doesn't really matter. It's in literature, too. There's always going to be conflict and you have a choice to either be vulnerable to conflict and let it dictate you, or you have a choice to go chase it down. And, um, you know, there's going to be things in business and your marriage and other parts of these, um, these bees that I can talk about conflict, but with working out, what I think is fun is you actually chase it down. So you are going into the gym, knowing that you are going to have a conflict with the weights, with the range of motion, with the clock, whatever it is, and you're chasing down the conflict and you're doing it to work this muscle physically that is only going to get stronger, but also to create energy, to get a win, if you do it in the morning, that starts the day, to do a lot of things that mentally and physically go well beyond the muscle that you're working because you're going to have more energy and you're going to have a psychological outlook that is going to be much better because of it. So for me, um, getting that win early is, is usually, um, the way I like to start my day today. I'm working out in the afternoon because we're doing this podcast, but I, I love getting a workout in around seven thirty, eight 8 o'clock in the morning and having some time to then sit down, have quiet time, read and go into the office a little later than most people probably do. Nine thirty, ten o'clock is usually when I start, but I am locked in for the next eight hours. And, uh, it's literally to me, the same thing as LeBron or Kobe would say they've done all day before they tip off at 7 p.m. They've gotten physical therapy. They've stretched for an hour. They've eaten meticulously. They've done a shoot around. They've prepared for the game that they get paid for. I need to do the same thing for me in the, in the business that I'm stewarding. So that's my philosophy. So when you show up at 930, you, you mentioned something I think is so key. You come in here and you're on fire. You're on, on you're on point and you're ready to start. So you might start a little later, but let's look at the the alternative version of someone who, you know, wakes up kind of late, grabs a couple cups of coffee, maybe has breakfast, probably not, comes into work, immediately jumps into their inbox and just takes the day as it comes. I know that's not your approach. When you come in, you it's game time. Well, you know exactly what you're going to do. Or there's the old gym, which which I hope I never go back to which is sometimes because I just got to, I'll get up at seven and go right into my email, skip my quiet time, skip my prayer time, skip my workout, skip my reading time. And from seven to as long as it takes, maybe five or six or seven, I'm grinding all day, drinking coffee constantly, you know, not eating meals, get done, too tired to work out, go home, go right in bed, don't even spend any time with my kids. I've done that a million times. And that's the gym I don't want to be. And I think that this world celebrates that guy sometimes, not realizing the fact that, listen, guys, when you're 
70, 80 years old, right? We talked about this for us. If you make it to be that old, um, quote Andy Stanley here, um, and your granddaughter sits on your lap, if you're blessed enough to have had kids who had kids and you have a granddaughter sitting on your lap and she says to you, grandpa, papa, what did you do for a living? You're going to answer that question in one sentence. That's the reality of the blip that our career really is in our life. If we really work for our families and these bigger things, then we need to really think about the balance. I don't get into balance. I'm sorry. I couldn't help it. But it, it really, all these bees play together. It's just natural. So that's my philosophy on body. And the other thing I'll say is, is I wish I was better at the uh, nutrition part, but I'm more of a don't eat certain things guy than I am like, you know, get my macros and track myself. I, that's a place where I still need to grow. So um, as you hear me talk about body, you don't feel like, oh man, this guy's got all, I don't have it all figured out with body, but I am adhering to that routine with my physical. And from a nutrition standpoint, I'm doing my best to eat clean. Okay, great. So let's transition. You brought it up multiple ways. Balance is uh, your relationship with your wife and your kids, which I know is extremely important to you. And part of even your morning routine and how you've laid out your day is so that you can intentionally spend time with, develop them. I know just from following you on social media, you actually involve your kids in your workout. So their body and balance is bleeding over, right? And you're demonstrating them the importance of that from an early age. So what I want to, and, and then also I know this June, you're renewing your your vows to your wife of 10 years, Jasmine, and um, how amazing that is. So just talk to me about balance, uh, specifically relationship with your three children and your wife and how that plays into the success even you can have in, in, in uh, influencer, especially with a wife who's got her own startup. Yep. Yep. So last year um, I was gone uh, almost a hundred days of the year. Um, and so, you know, the price of building a startup is not cheap. I mean, it is, and I'm not even talking about the dollars, you know, traveling as much as I did had a toll on my marriage. It took a toll on my uh, relationship with my kids. And I just made a decision that, um, that I was going to start tracking every quarter, how many nights I was gone and that I was never going to be gone more than 20% of the nights per quarter. And so this quarter I'm going to hit it. I'm going to end up at 16 out of the 90 days where I traveled, um, which is a huge improvement for me. Um, if you do the math, that would end up at, uh, you know, about 70, uh, actually 60 plus days um, gone for the whole year, uh, which would be huge for me. What that's done is it's allowed me to think intentionally um, about things like, um, well, if I took the time to fly in from Boston, drive down to Auburn, do this meeting and drive right back home, I'm going to make sure that the next morning when I wake up, I wake up early enough to take Sophia to the bus stop, right? Because I, I worked hard to get back home to do that, right? And so there's all these things with my kids, including bringing them to work out with me, working with my son on the sports that he loves to play, working with my daughter on the, the things she likes. She's actually launching a vlog um, and I'm helping her with that. It's called Sophia Says. My son James is into four different sports and he doesn't have really any leagues. We just play together. And I wouldn't be able to do that if I didn't intentionally plan it. And with my marriage, I think, um, you know, it's it's one of those things that the second you think you got it figured out is when you find out you don't. And I took it for granted. I have several times throughout the 10 years we've been married. Um, and so we made a commitment um, this past December 
that we wanted to renew our vows. And uh, we've done a lot of things to invest in our marriage that has really taken it to a whole other level, especially from a communication standpoint. And we want to celebrate that with our closest friends. So we're doing that this June. But it really, for me, all starts with the time aspect. And um, one goal that I track this quarter um, and hit is the days gone and the other is hours on the phone. I think it's awesome that Apple tracks your 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 hours on the phone. And I just looked at it and I said, how can I cut this down by 20%? And once again, you got to be intentional. It becomes a game, but you got to turn it off and you got to be engaged with your family. That's awesome and inspiring. I want to make sure that we don't miss the connection because this is not only about having a great marriage and having great relationships with your kids, as important as that is, but this literally connects to you being successful as an entrepreneur, because I know when you show up at 930 ready to go, you don't have a, a, a record plan in your subconscious bringing guilt on you that I haven't. Oh, man, I'm doing this at the expense of my kids, at the expense of money and those things. So just even body and balance help us understand how that connects to you showing up and growing your business 100 percent. Yeah. So if there's conflict at home, especially for me with the way I'm wired, I'm not going to be very good at hiding it. You know, that Forrest hard on hard on his sleeve type guy that you're listening to. Um, so I'm going to need to make sure that the most important thing is taken care of before I ever come into the second most important thing, which is work and getting my head around that. Dave Ramsey told us uh, the Tiger Woods story, right? Like Tiger Woods, the man. Um, ran amok with Tiger Woods, the golfer, after a while of playing the dual life. And you know what happened since, right? And so that's the same thing here. So I had to just look in the mirror and get honest with myself about the lack of attention, um, compassion, um, just really uh, outward focus I had with my family um, during this, this year of building the startup and get back to what I knew was was right for me as a father and a husband, as as the steward and leader of those relationships to be able to then come in here and lead. And so there's going to be conflict. Undoubtedly, there's going to be conflict in your marriage and with your kids. Not everything's going to go. There's going to be bad grades. There's going to be, you know, a lie. There's going to be all kinds of stuff. Proactively, just like in the gym, you got to chase it down and you've got to be the leader. And if you do that, it allows you to be the leader in the office, which once again, you're going to come into conflict with every day, a deal that fell through, a team member that did something dishonest, whatever it is. So with your C word and conflict, there's not any conflict in marriage. Is there? <laughs> you, you didn't mention conflict, right? You just got a very peaceful, no issues marriage, right? No, I mean, you know, uh, a high A uh, Puerto Rican, a high Italian <laughs> with uh, half Puerto Rican, half Italian kids. There's no yelling ever in our house. Um, and I didn't even add my mother-in-law lives with us too. Um, you know, of course there is. And once again, you can either just be quiet and try to, you know, ignore the conflict and act like it's not there, or you can talk about it. And, you know, another C word that I'm big on is clarity. And, you know, there's an old saying, people don't respect integrity leaders. They, they respect clarity leaders. Now I'm quoting Louis Giglio. And it's the truth. If you're, first of all, if you're clear with people and you over communicate, you're also being integral. You're being honest. But people want to know where they stand. They want to know that they're heard. They want to know that you respect them and what you think of them. 
They don't want their employee file to always be in a file and never know what it says. In the same respect, your wife doesn't want that for your relationship with her. So, um, you know, you got to chase down conflicts. And that creates some interesting conversations we're not going to dive into, but I know you could talk at length about uh, the expense of clarity. Oh, yeah. Right. All right. So I want to transition into uh, what you and I both believe is the ultimate purpose of our lives. Mm-hmm. And that's being, that's our relationship with Christ and how every resource relationship that we have, we feel called to connect it to the ultimate purpose. Yep. Uh, Psalm 67, one and two is, is uh, really the, the scripture that has shown me that we are to connect the blessings of God with the purposes of God. And you embraced that at Iron Tribe and supported our growth of Never Thirst. You went on trips with Never Thirst. You helped us raise money for Never Thirst, but you wanted your own connection. And so early on, you uh, helped Aspire be launched. I know there's many things in your life, but Aspire is one of the main ones. So talk about, you mentioned it earlier, 1% of your revenues, you mentor a kid, you're on the board. Help us understand how that flows into the success of Jim Caval as the leader, the entrepreneur, and the CEO of Influencer. So I'm going to go right back to conflict again. Um, You know, James, which is... One of my favorite books in the Bible, obviously that's my name, Jim's short for James. You know, chapter one, it's it's something people go to a lot. But in verse two, he says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance and let perseverance have its full effect that you may be perfect, complete and lacking in nothing. Loaded passage. I'm supposed to be happy and joyful about conflict. I'm supposed to enjoy encountering trials. Whoa, that's crazy. But the reality is that's what missions and ministry is all about. It's messy. It's crazy. You never know what to expect, but it's a picture of the world yourself and the sin that only Jesus can forgive you for. And that is powerful to think about. And so for me, the bookends of this chapter are really interesting because it starts saying if uh, you know that you should consider conflict as joy, but then the chapter ends and says, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not brittle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So the chapter starts with ask for conflict because it's going to make your faith stronger and build this muscle like you do in the gym, but spiritually perseverance. And then we we want to be blessed to go to Psalm 61, 7, 1 and 2. We ask God for blessings. And verse 2 says, when he blesses us, we should bless others. Well, this chapter in James is saying, you need to think about these folks who are a picture of the kingdom, these orphans and these widows who are in need and you need to comfort them in their affliction. And so for me, Never Thirst, Aspire, Brother Brian, a mission here in Birmingham that we're associated with that deals with homelessness, people in affliction that we can see are simply, we're we're simply seeing an effect of the world that is visible, that we all still have in us invisibly, that we don't have to show people. And so our ability to to serve those folks and connect our business to that, to change 
the trajectory of people's lives and their, their future kids' lives by bringing them water, which, which changes their health and changes the way they're perceived in their culture and allows them to even have children who they can have children as well and grow or inspire to, to give somebody a father figure that can help lead them, but also to transform yourself by, by mentoring a young child because of the things you're going to have to do. You're going to have to go to a neighborhood you never would go to and, and meet people you might never talk to and see a side of the city you live in that you never would see when you mentor a young uh, boy or girl at Aspire, right? And so to me, like that's something that you can talk about for paragraphs with your granddaughter and also can live on and will live on after you die. And to be able to, to give towards that with time and, and money, that's, a, that's not um, being the blessing as much as it's actually being blessed. Man, that's so powerful. Um, I do want to talk about one other thing as it relates to being, and that is the fact that you are in a small group and you have accountability in your life. And one of my core messages on this podcast, in fact, I say in the beginning, find your tribe. And what that means to me is you've got to find those men, those women in your life that are producers mm -hmm. and who are willing to be held accountable and willing to hold you accountable. So briefly, just talk about what that means to you and how that's an important part of this faith journey that you're on. You know, for me, accountability is, um, especially when you're in a CEO seat, you know, you don't have a boss necessarily. You don't have um, anything but maybe your faith or uh, your board or a mentor. Um, and easily you can fall to the wayside. You can go on a path down a rabbit hole um, that your flesh is just inclined to go down. And so to me, the ability to have um, a tribe, as you call it, um, of people that are in it with you, that you can be brutally honest with. And that they can be brutally honest back with you on the, the, the realities of what you're transparent about and hold you accountable to uh, changing and growing. Um, man, it's, I don't know how I would live my life without that. And for most of my life, I've had some sort of group, some sort of accountability because I've always been the guy in control, one of the leaders, if not the leader, and left alone, I could just lose it all. Um, and so I just think it's, it's essential to find that group, find that tribe and that they need to also understand you. There needs to be context. There needs to be, um, a relationship enough where they know who you are, where you can trust them and vice versa. Um, but doesn't need to be so deep that you don't do a group at all. Um, find some people that you can relate to and have that tribe so that you can sharpen each other. Um, and I'm just going to share, I think one of the most impactful things we do in our group is we time each other. We give each other four minutes to say, what is the state of your heart? And that could be anything. It's like, man, hey, guys, I'm struggling here at work or hey, I'm struggling in my marriage or, hey, things are great. Um, and I think what what other place, what other context can I really just say, here's what's deeply going on inside of my heart um, and we need to be known. The worst thing we can do is live in isolation. And so I would encourage you to, to find your tribe of people that you can meet with and, and hold each other accountable. That's been huge for Jim and I. But I do want to just give you an example. Jim, what is one question we ask each other without fail every week? What have you looked at? Talk about that. 
Um, talking about our phones. Yes. Yeah. So we are going to make sure that every week we meet, no matter what topic each of the people uh, in our group brings up with state of your heart, um, we're definitely going to ask what you're looking at on your phone from a standpoint of, you know, lost pornography, the things that men, especially in this day and age with technology can fall to the wayside on fast. And I think that, um, you know, there's, there's subtle ways to get caught up in that kind of uh, sin in that kind of fall. And then there's, you know, uh, more extreme ways. And the fact that we have the chance to talk about it and bring it up has been something for the whole group to be able to rally around as, um, a rallying cry for the group to all improve. I mean, one of the guys in our group is going to build a ministry around this to help men sharpen each other on this, like we have with our group. So, um, you know, how can, yeah, I, I love your post on social media the other day. How can you tell your, your daughter that, um, you're proud of her being pure and you want her to be pure, um, and not be pure yourself. Mm. I mean, like, as a man, you've really got to ask yourself that question. And I think it translates into a lot of other areas of life outside of that specific sin. You can do that with covetousness and greed. You can do that with selfishness. But because of technology, this sin has gripped so many people, um, especially inside of the church, that it's important that we're aware of it and address it every week. All right. So if you're the listener who right now is saying, my Gosh, I turned in to really understand how to grow my business. Like, I see Jim and he's blowing up and I see Forrest and he's doing all these things. Well, these guys are talking about pornography. Like, what is going on? But guys, that's where you leak power. If you're not dialed in and you're not in being in your connection with God, if you're not pursuing a holy and righteous life that spills over into your marriage and then over into your relationship with your kids, don't deceive yourself that that doesn't come at a cost, that that doesn't make you leak power and show up uh, in a way you don't want to show up in your business. So, Jim, as we wrap up this conversation, and there's so many things we could talk about. I mean, I'm sitting literally, I've already thought of four things that could be a whole separate podcast with you. Uh, we'll have to have you back on. But help us just bring this conversation back to full circle by you being weaponized in body, in balance, in being. That gives you the energy, the power, and the platform to go out and create every day. Um, just speak to that kind of globally and holistically, and, and then we'll close. Yeah, so for some reason, I just can't get over what I see when I watch one of my kids just sit there watching TV all day, right? It's like you're wasting a day. Like you're only going to be a kid for so long. You need to enjoy, um, you know, being a kid and go outside and play or do something constructive is what my mom always used to tell me. Um, but when I look at, um, let's say it's James, my five-year-old, and he's just sitting there uh, across from the TV or holding a, a device. And I start thinking that it reminds me of the message that I want to share with you. And that I share with myself about our responsibility with this life. And that is we have no idea how many minutes, days are even left. And we need to make the most of every single second. The seconds that I'm spending right now, I want to make the most of. I hope you're listening and you understand that these, these things all tie together. And that by going into the gym and being responsible with your fitness, um, yeah, maybe you want to 
see the six pack, or maybe you want to see some definition around your shoulders, but that's not really the longevity play with that. It's helping you be a better parent and create more balance in your life through parenting and your marriage. And by doing that, along with your body, you're putting yourself in a place in business that is going to allow you to be much more impactful with this time that's going by as I speak right now. And you only get one chance to spend it. And then from all three of those things, how they combine to create a being that is eternal and that can leave a legacy that will impact other people's beings. Um, that's really what it's all about. We hear people talk about legacy all the time, Forrest. Big time thought leaders talking about legacy. But the reality is legacy, legacy is something that truly can live on eternal, not through a name on a building. That's not how it lives on. It lives on through your kids and their kids, through your relationships with friends, people that you took time to get to know and pour into and and got messy with and debated with and disagreed with things on, but learned more about and became so close with that you impacted them and they impacted you. And that, that messy combination is what culture really is. And when you throw the gospel in on it and you realize it's eternal and not just something that is great on this earth, but will burn one day, that's when it really hits home. And you realize these 80 years, these 60 years, these 47 years, whatever it is on earth, really do matter because they can leave something that impacts people for generations and ultimately in eternity. I'm so glad you brought that up about thought leaders because one of the most favorite things you and I say to each other, we text it, we say it, is it doesn't matter if it's Tim Ferriss or Gary Vee, which I know you're personal friends with, or Garrett White or any thought leader that you're following, they talk about the long game. And you and I always like, they're not thinking long enough because their long game is their life here on earth and maybe a generation after them. And we're talking about the long game for a thousand, 10,000, a hundred thousand years from now. What's ultimately going to matter. And and I got into this zone, especially getting into the software world where I said, you know, my goal is a hundred million dollar company. I want to own somewhere around a third of the company after all the money I've raised to grow this company to that size. And I want to use my $30 million to um, really put into the ministries that I'm passionate about. And that's what I want to spend my forties, fifties and beyond about. And I tell people that's my why. And it is like, that's Real quick and some like that's what I want to do, but I'll get in front of some people. You know, maybe it's a family that owns a pro sports team that I happen to be around, and they say, "Geez, you're not thinking big enough." I mean, this company could be a billion dollar company. And when they answer that, I used to say, "Man, you know, I need to be around more people that think bigger because you know these folks just get it because they've done business bigger than me for decades and generations." But what I realized was that's not thinking bigger. Thinking bigger is maybe you only make a million dollars or $10 million, but you make whatever was left over for your share count enough by giving it and through the time and relationships you spend that those pay dividends of people knowing the truth of who God is and the fact that they're broken and there's no such thing in in this world as a good person and that the brokenness we all have can only be solved by one thing, and that's Jesus Christ and the sacrifice he made for each of us. And through that, those people can live eternally. And that's thinking big. Mm. And I've had to totally redistribute my thinking to the point where I have to be comfortable, not just with only having a one or $10 million exit, but maybe my business fails and I go volunteer 
for a ministry and tell the story. I wanted this to be my own thing and build this building myself, but I failed, but I'm still living out my passion because I'm working for it. That'll preach right there, man. Jim, thank you so much for being on the show. Such value. This could go another hour easily. Uh, But how can our listeners follow you? Just follow me on social media. It's just Jim Caval. Um, Forrest will put my name in the notes. And it's Jim Caval on really all the social medias. But where I spend most of my time is Instagram and LinkedIn. Um, and, of course, JimCaval.com is a place where I put out some content each month. Uh, need to ramp it up now that Forrest has uh, started this podcast. So you can look for one coming from me very soon. Awesome. Well, thanks again. It's been a privilege. We will have you back because there's just so much we can unpack together. But man, I honestly count it a privilege and a blessing to have you as one of the first guests on the show. And just thanks for letting me spend a little time with you this morning. Matt, thanks for coming to the office. See you next week at our uh, grand opening party. I'll be here. All right, man. This is Tribecast Forrest Walden, a show for entrepreneurs and producers who want to have it all. Uh, Check us out next week. Every Friday, we'll be delivering brand new content. 